The world belongs to Kendrick Lamar and Max Struess. Pod. Welcome to episode three of the Pod Sham Pod. Max, how are you? Doing great. How about you? Doing well. Excited for this one. Let's hop straight into it. Mm-hmm. In celebration of how great this TNT team is inside the NBA, our home away from home, we wanted to do a segment we're going to call TNT 2050. Who are the guys that we want to see on that panel in 28 years since? Time is cruel, and we won't have Shaq, Ernie, Kenny, and Charles forever. Uh, before, before we get into our list of guys and girls, four people, I wanted to break down the prototypes. So we got Shaq, the gentle giant, brazen yet caring, prankable, can both dish it out and take it, says everything with a thousand percent certainty. Ernest Ernie, too kind and grounded for the digital world, maintains order, balance, Loved by the content creators around him. Keeps everyone on their game. Kenny is the coach on the court, the least abrasive with current players. Embraces his role as the least dominant former player. And then we've got the big Chuckster. So in touch and out of touch at the same time. Conservative thinker. Might have voted for Biden. Might have voted for McCain, I mean. (laughs) And often the wisest at the table. So... I kind, of, I kind of made a list of guys who fit each of those molds. Start with, start with the first few names you had down and, and we'll go from there. Yeah, before I get into my names, I had one kind of long lost fact, which a lot of inside the NBA clips were popping up on my YouTube recommended videos, probably because I've watched some of them after the game, after the various games. I think what's lost in history, Chris Webber was an amazing studio guy. Like, he was really, really funny as a studio guy. It's funny you say that because I, I, I haven't loved Chris Webber in games. Me neither. But he has a great personality. And when I was making sure on the internet that I hadn't forgotten anyone who deserved to be in this conversation, I found this, like, Bleacher Report, six-year-old, like, funniest guys in the, in the NBA community list. And Chris Webber was number one. Now he it, was, had a, it was a bizarre list. They had LeBron at two. So, I, but, but, but it was okay. just a, a reminder that Chris Weber, when he isn't sort of tied down by, by, you know, the, the corporate structure of, of, of color commentary in a game. Yeah. yeah he, he has some spice for sure. He, he, he would tiptoe a lot doing um, color commentary, but no there's doubt. some, there's some just hilarious studio videos of him making fun of Kenny and Charles. And I honestly think, I, I think he fits in with their sense of humor much better than Shaq does. But anyway, this is not 2022 inside, Ooh, this is 2050 Wow, inside. okay. Yeah. Um, I, at fir- my first thought was what, like, you know, you texted me, are we really going to try to replace Ernie? And you were so right, because I said, yes, you have to think of an Ernie replacement. It's so hard. That was by far the hardest one. There's no but, way. But I don't want to start with Ernie. I want to go left to right. Okay. Who was the first guy or girl you want on your leftmost seat? Okay, and also disclaimer, we're not including anyone who is already a prominent media yes. voice. So no yes. Reddick, no Draymond, no Richard Jefferson. JJ, RJ, and Dre were the three that we that we wrote off. You know, okay. I'm sure there are a couple others that you didn't include because 
they're already killing it on the podcast slash yeah. NBA media scene. All right. So my leftmost seat is going to go to Joel Embiid. Okay. We are in concert. Yeah. We're I in concert. Yeah. <laughs> he will not be afraid to say what he wants to say. He won't have to, he won't have a filter. Um, great at both dishing it out and taking it also underratedly like all of his teammates say he is a basketball genius um so i think he will actually have some analytical perspective to provide um yeah that's my shack replacement and i think would be a big upgrade honestly. first thing on my list Embiid in parentheses shack <laughs> let's yeah. go he he absolutely killed it on reddick's podcast yeah he's candid top three who are the other two um, let's see. I had, no, I had, I, that's what he did on Reddick's. Oh yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 He was so mad at, at Reddick yeah. for implying that he isn't just a lock for like that best player in the league conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's both candid and funny. He's self-aware and he seems like he's in love with the league and the community, which I feel like those are some of the characteristics that tie together this amazing TNT group. So I had Embiid. Um, I had actually four guys in the Shaq category, the Shaq-agory. The next one I had on my list was J.R. Smith. <laughs> and, wow. and, I, and I really have no sense of the depth of analysis you're getting from J.R., but he's so funny and endearing on Twitter that I, and, and, and beloved by so many powerful people in, in the league that the thought of JR lighting a blunt on national television, I couldn't leave him off. I think he'd be hilarious. And surely he has some real basketball analysis that we haven't quite tapped into because he's been pigeonholed as sort of this awesome golfer, stoner, slam dunk artist. I didn't have anyone else I wanted to put in the Shaq spot. I have a couple yeah. candidates for the Kenny Smith spot and a couple candidates for the Charles spot. Okay, but yeah. The Shaq spot I thought was Embiid. Fairly yeah, no, I mean, JR is some, such a weaker candidate than Joel. Mm -hmm. um, I also just threw in Boban and Ennis Freedom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just uh, Ennis, you know, you wouldn't think he's, he's so self-aware sometimes the way he plays defense, but he was a blazer and he was a really great, post-game guy um he can laugh at himself he cares about what's going on in the world <laughs> hence the name change he's not the only changed name on my list another another name changer to come Boban and Ennis Freedom just like JR way below Embiid on the Shakagori. okay yeah. Kenny or no 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 we're at Ernie's seat now who are you reluctantly putting in, in the Ernie chair? I had a few people I was throwing around here. Um, Rosillo, maybe. Uh, wow. Although, I don't know if he'd command the respect from uh, the rest of the crew that Ernie does. Malika Andrews does a pretty good job on NBA Today. Like, maybe. She seems to, like, like players like her. Um, Peyton Manning. <laughs> <laughs> half jokingly Peyton Manning um 
And the one I settled on, which I don't feel great about, because I really don't think there's anyone who can do what Ernie does, is uh, Max Kellerman. Wow. Okay. Um, we had one name in common. I put in Malika Andrews before she went corporate. That's what I have down. Before the State Farm, before the crypto. Yeah, she's great. Um, but my number one Ernie chair taker was Maria Taylor. I knew it was going to be Maria Taylor. <laughs> I'm just a Maria Taylor stan. Um, the name speaks for itself. Okay, let's let's move past Ernie because Ernie is Ernie. Yeah, realistically, um, I'm imagining a 90-year-old Ernie Johnson. Yeah, exactly. Traffic. <laughs> um, okay, we, are, we have now reached the second rightmost seat that belongs to Kenneth Smith. The first name that I had on my Kenny list and I don't feel awesome about it, is Andre Iguodala. Mm, yeah, I considered putting him down. Um, I ultimately decided I thought he would be too reserved. Yeah, um, a so maybe a little too respectful. <laughs> he made the longer list of the guys I considered in my head, but not the shorter list of the guys I wrote down. Um, okay. If you, who, so, was, who was your first Kenny candidate? Like my top one? Yeah. Rajon Rondo. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah, I think he'd I think he'd be great for the Kenny spot. He might be a little too I don't I don't he might not be like grounded enough for the Kenny role. Like he seems a little bit like he 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 thinks he's the smartest guy in the world, which Kenny Kenny certainly doesn't. Are you kidding? And, and Rondo and Rondo, <laughs> no. Rondo Rondo's a basketball genius. So like it's his complete right to, you know, feel like he's the smartest basketball guy in the room. Um, and I've heard he's like, you know, kind of one of these, like, he's great at everything he does, guys. I feel like I've heard that on pods. Yeah. Um, but I think he belongs to the panel. I don't know how I feel about you're putting him in the Kenny role. I think, so I think the Kenny role, I think, first of all, I think Kenny definitely thinks he's one of the smartest people out there. Yeah, um, that's true. He's got his, he's got his like vegan, you know, his green juice and yes. And certainly <laughs> he thinks he's the smartest person on that panel. Um, but yeah, Rondo, I don't know, because I am a little worried that he would be a little cagey, but I also feel like with the right mix around him, yeah. he would get competitive and want to like match the energy, match the humor. And I feel like he can be really funny in sort of a biting way. And I just feel like he'd add, and then he's a genius. So like, I think he'd hopefully be able to communicate his basketball genius. Um, the other people I considered for that spot, Patrick Beverly. Although he might be a little too hot-headed for the Kenny role, I'm not sure. And CJ McCollum. Although I don't know if he was disqualified because he's kind of with the Players' Tribune stuff already in the media a lot. But yeah, no, he's he's already a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist. He is he is he is eliminated along okay. with Reddick, Jefferson, and Draymond. I had Pat Bev on my list. I didn't have him for Kenny's spot. I had him, as you mentioned, he may, I think he's a little edgy for the, for the Kenny spot. I had him, I had him in parentheses, Chuck. <laughs> okay. Um, I think he's going to be sort of the, the cutting boomer on, on the end of the table, telling it like it is getting a little mean, telling stories about the guys who helped him establish himself in the league. And to some, and you know, believes in himself wholeheartedly, but also very much knows his place in, in the game. So I had Pat Bev for the Chuck role. He was my first Chuckster. And the only other uh, Chuck candidate that I felt 
solid about was was the other name changer, Meta Sandiford Artest. Interesting. So I have two Chucks that you have not mentioned. Um, are we done with Kenny, by the way? Are we moving on to Chuck? Um, yes. Uh, well, for, for Kenny, I also put down, in a, I had Iguodala, and then I had Scalabrini. He would, I, I think he's funny. He might, you know, add some diversity to the table. I don't know if Scalabrini is willing to embrace the, the comedy. I think he might, he might care too much about the way that they cover the games in an honest and fair way. Then I had Halliburton mm. as a possibility. You know, he's, yeah. he's made a couple podcast appearances where it's clear that he's a great at talking the game. And then I had Josh Hart because okay. I follow him on Twitch. I watch him play COD. He definitely has a personality for TNT. He might just be, he might have too many talents. He might not, he might want to do things other than basketball after he retires, but I think that he'd be really fun in this role. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so, so back, back to Chuck, I said, I have Pat Bev and Meta Sandiford, our test. Who, who are you putting it at the right end of your table? So my number two candidate for Chuck is, uh, was Jimmy Butler. Okay. Um, okay. Cause I thought he would have the absolutely willing to say anything. Yeah. Get some country in there and a bit of the biting humor, but my absolute number one candidate. And I, it, it was the first name I wrote down for any of them. Like it, I didn't think there was any doubt about it uh, was Anthony Edwards. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. So I, I like the Jimmy call. My only concern with Jimmy is that like, he's kind of too handsome for this table. Like, like I'm ready for Jimmy to go like win a golden globe after he retires. I mean, ev like every Every mom that I talk to, Jimmy's her favorite player, and <laughs> it's not all basketball related. He he has the charisma, no doubt. And Anthony Edwards, he'd be the he might be an all star in baseball, football, basketball, and TNT shit shooting. And I think of, Edwards is the only guy in the NBA who can who would be able to capture that simultaneously so in touch and out of touch like balance he would yes. have them both like he and, would be and, the guy who could look at a game and say these guys just don't have it tonight without sort of you know doing like the hardcore analysis and then could also just be like oh these guys just got to play better but you know I, I think he could really strike that balance very well he's flashing that magnetic smile and he's coming right back at you I think he yeah. definitely has the constitution of a TNT star yes so your final panel, what was it? Okay, so so my dream panel, I'm gonna go Embiid, Maria Taylor, Josh Hart, and Pat Bev. Okay. That, that's where I'm going, yeah, that's where I that's am right, right now. My table, Embiid, Kellerman, yep. because I think Kellerman has some bad takes, but I do think he's actually a very good host. So I'd go Embiid, Kellerman, Rondo, Anthony Edwards. Yep. I love the right half of your table. You know, we both have Embiid. The Ernie one was a crapshoot. The right half of your table is awesome. As Shaq told Alvarado this week on the show, no corporate answers. 
We need real. Great segment. This next portion of the podcast is going to be called Roll Call. Now, at the moment, there is a pretty deep tier of star players in the NBA. We've mostly talked about them for the first few episodes of this podcast, but we thought it was time to give some shine to some of the people who star in their roles around the NBA. Overall, I'd say the league is rife with fifth to eighth men. There are so many players who can fill that role on good teams. And I really think all but three, I'd say, of the teams in the second round right now have cha- have championship worth supporting casts without needing to have a supernova star on their team. So we're going to go through from uh, rank them from eight to one of all the teams that made the second round of uh, which role playing casts we like the most. And yeah. somewhat uh, we'll see where the disagreements are, because once you get past the bottom, I thought it was pretty tough to differentiate. We are ranking the round, the eight round two teams minus their best three guys. And we might disagree here and, here and there over who a team's third best guy is. For the most part, I think that those were pretty straightforward. Okay, so I think we agree on the eighth seed, second round supporting cast. Yes. Um, who is it for you? It is the Philadelphia 76ers, and my yes, headline sir. for them is woof. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, you know, disregard the contract, Tobias Harris is one of the best players in this entire pool. He can get you a bucket. It still looks like mellow light at his best, but it, his best is rare. And, you know, he can defend when he's into it. He has the body, to, and, and, but the effort isn't always there. He is really headlining this group. It's really just Tobias, Danny Green, Niang, Tybal. And they probably wouldn't be the eighth seed if Tybal didn't kind of lose his, his place in the Sixers rotation by the end of round two against Miami. He just couldn't shoot well enough to stay on the floor. And I think that's really what submarine this group to the bottom of the ranks. Yeah, I mean, for sure, Tybal's one of the better fourth options in the NBA. Um, another take I have is that Danny Green is the Robert Ori of the 2010s. Cause I just feel like wherever he's gone, he's found himself on successful teams. Now he doesn't have the clutch shooting track record of Robert Ory. People are probably thinking of that famous screen grab from the bubble where he got the three at the top of the key at the end of the game with what looked to be 15 yards of space all around him. Although in reality, if you move that one frame forward, those screen grabs always look a lot different, but anyways, He's just someone whose success has followed him wherever he's gone, whether it's San Antonio setting the record at the time for threes in the finals, going to the Raptors, going to LA. And it's really such a bummer. Apparently he tore both his ACL and LCL, which if you watch the video yesterday, I mean, MB just falls into his leg and the whole thing looks like it snaps. So yeah, awful. not surprising. It's a bummer because he's 35. So this era of him, might be done as we know it. It's a tough injury to come back from at that age, but you never know. Um, and just a crazy roller coaster for Danny Green, where it felt like even though he was on such successful teams the last couple of years, I wasn't always so trusting of his shot in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think Lakers fans can attest that even during the bubble championship run, his shot was a little icy at times. Yeah, uh, it definitely runs hot and cold. It runs hot and cold, and yet he found himself in this round two against Miami. Uh, and started hitting threes again. Yep. And right when he's getting hot, you know, 
uh, tragic injury. So yeah. prayers up for Danny Green. Um, George yeah. Niang, he's a tough three and D guy. I know, I know Daryl Morey must love him, but he doesn't feel like a real needle mover. Um, well, yeah. So this is my view when going through the supporting cast of Philly is that they don't have a sixth man. Yep. They have like five ninth men. Um, so if I think a big three going forward of Embiid, Maxi, and Harden, if Embiid can somehow stay healthy through the first three rounds of the playoffs is enough to get you to the finals. They just need to figure out that five through 10. Cause right now it gets to five and they don't have Danny green anymore. So it gets to four and then everyone else is a one-way player, whether it's Thibault, who's a really good defender, but a non-factor on offense or the opposite with Niang Korkmaz doesn't bring much on defense. Shake doesn't bring much on defense and they're inconsistent yeah. on offense. Um, and I just, I can't fathom how they haven't been able to solve the backup center issue. Um, maybe Paul Reed turns into that player, but they need their dead men or a Kong Wu or Nas Reed or hell any of the three centers on the Knicks would be better Looney. than their backup center. Like Mitchell yeah. Robinson, Nerlens Noel and Taj Gibson. I mean, would Kayvon Looney great. would change this team. Yeah. Um, I just don't know how they haven't been able to solve that. Cause it seems like big men are very easy to find. Like, they're going to have to, to figure out that issue. Um, and I would say my last point on Tobias is he is one of the best fourth options in the league, but I also forgot about him until I was at the end of my notes and I was like, oh yeah, they also have Tobias Harris. So I feel like that's kind of emblematic of the Tobias experience. Yep. Forget the max contract. He drifts in and out of games. And, 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 I'll, and he isn't the reason that this is the eighth seed role group. He's the best guy in their supporting cast. And it's really the fall of Tybal, I think, that leaves this that leaves them at the bottom. Yeah. Okay, my number my number seven in roll call, my seven seed. I have the Dallas Mavericks. Also, my seven seed. Okay. Now the God, key question. God, we're synced up. The key question: Who is the third guy who you made off limits after Luca and Brunson? Three letters DFS. Same. It has to be. It has to be Dorian finding Dorian. Yeah. He's definitely established himself as the third best player on that team. Uh, and you could, I think there've been moments where you could argue he's, you know, he's been better for them than Brunson um, in the last few playoff games. Yeah. But, but it, but it's Luca Brunson, Dorian. So that leaves us with four important names in terms of playoff minutes. You got Spencer Dinwiddie, Reggie Bullock, Maxi Kleba, and Dwight Powell. Dwight Powell yeah. has been, slowly weaned out of the sun series with good reason his minutes mm -hmm. have been minus a lot uh but he's still but he's still a relevant guy and he's yeah. still a, a good rim running center to have in a lot of series not yeah. as much this one um yeah. maxi kleba shooting was cold for most of this season he's founded in the playoffs he's an above average defender and exactly the kind of backup big man you want in 2022 yeah, uh, I think yeah. he, Doc he might Rivers be needs that guy on his bench. I think Kleba might be their fourth best player. Wow. Um, um I'm going Reggie Bullock. Yeah. The, I just I, I mean he just needs to cut down his fouls because that's what's keeping him off the court. But I I just love the minutes that he's out there and that he always he's a really good defender. And when his three-point shot is falling, um, he's just a really nice player. And I'll say on Powell also. Uh, an inspiring return from an Achilles tear. He's sort of a forgotten yeah. Achilles tear, but 
he's basically the same player he was before it. So Stanford legend. Stanford yeah. legend. Um, and then Dinwiddie, who is perfectly qualified for the role, even though he, you know, his shooting isn't always efficient. He's liable for a ridiculous heat check here and there. Don't always love the decision-making, but definitely has the Lou Williams, Jordan Clarkson, like he could go get you 20 out of nowhere, or hit two threes in a quarter and, and, yep. and ignite your offense a little bit. He has been MIA in the second round. Totally. I think he's better than what they expected when they traded. Yeah. And, and definitely Spencer Dinwiddie will turn in his fair share of six for 17s mm-hmm. or for 12s. But, you know, there are a lot of worse players that we're going to get to on this list. And, yep. you know, he can, he can get points in bunches. He can create a shot when Luca gives him the ball with three seconds on the shot clock. Mm-hmm. And as yeah. And then Reggie Bullock has been an awesome role player who has yep. totally reactivated his career and is guarding guards fairly successfully. And the three point shot doesn't always look beautiful, but I fully expect every shot he takes now to go in. And they're also missing Tim Hardaway Jr. who would fit into this normally. But yeah, anyway, I think we should move on to six. Six. All right. I had Miami. Interesting. I had uh, not Miami. I had Milwaukee. Okay. Uh, I had Milwaukee at five. Okay. Uh, So I have Miami at six. We're talking, I I actually almost put Harrow on this list because Max Struess has been better than Harrow in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But but Harrow is their third best guy. You might not agree that he deserves yeah. six man of the year. Uh, but he is. But he whatever whatever. Let's what, for the sake of the argument, we can't suddenly be calling Max Drews a, a star. I'm I'm, not- <laughs> I'm a sucker. I grandfathered in Kyle Lowry as okay. the yeah no third more than guy. fair yeah this the version of Lowry that we're getting right now in the playoffs obviously isn't one of the Heat's best three players. He's hobbled. Yeah. Um. You know it's it's not vintage Kyle, but. But yeah, I mean, in, in terms of legacies, I mean, he is above Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we got Strews, PJ Tucker. I put down Lowry, Oladipo, and Gabe Vincent. Yeah. This is, actually, a, this is a really deep group. This is one of those yeah. groups where I, I couldn't keep it to four guys. Gabe Vincent, another sort of can go on a, a seven-point run alone. Oladipo is like, you know, showing flashes of the guy he once was, but doesn't even, doesn't need to be anything near that guy to help them. And PJ Tucker is still just PJ Tucker-ish. He's, this isn't prime Rockets PJ, mm-hmm. but he's useful. And, yeah. and he's so mentally tough and his corner threes go in enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle Lowry, you don't have him on your list. I do. Even in his current state, I want that guy's brain on the floor. Yeah. Uh, and Max Struess, <laughs> the, the Strooper star. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, there's nothing else to say. The guy has been getting it done for them. Yeah. They just have so many interchangeable pieces. Deadman's probably one of the better backup centers yeah. in the league also. I forgot to put him down. And then they have guys deep on their bench who aren't even playing right now who would get major minutes on most teams like Duncan Robinson. Yeah. Markeith Morris was playing minutes on the championship Lakers team like 20 months ago. Um, yeah. Duncan Robinson is about to absolutely erase Steve Novak's legacy on the Knicks. Yeah. I had them at four, actually. They have a lot of high-level competitors, and I think yeah. that's why you look at the stats and the, the numbers won't do some of these guys justice. And, and Oladipo is still just a confusing situation because he's been absolutely crucial to their rotation, and yet he wasn't really in their playoff plans for four-fifths of the season. So 
That's a that's yeah. crazy fun to see for him. Okay, yeah. so so I had Miami at six. You had who at six? I had Milwaukee. Milwaukee at six. All right, let's do let's do the Bucks. Yeah, because they're your five. They are my five. Yes. Yeah. So I think their role guys are just good enough, basically, yeah. um, for what they need with the top level talent that they have. Um, and as as Kyle Mann so eloquently put on the ringer, like we've got a lot of viable Giannis satellites here. Yes. How do they stand on their own? It's hard to tell because they have the best player in the league lifting them up. Talk to me about the Bucks uh, supporting yeah. cast. Uh, and then another thing is also if they'd kept PJ Tucker and not done the DiVincenzo Ibaka trade, I think I probably would have had them at four, but without those guys, they slide down to six. Um, and it speaks to the greatness of their stars that that probably won't sink their chances. Yep. Um, Dante DiVincenzo, what Wes Matthews has been to the Bucks this year, I fully expect Dante DiVincenzo to pop up po- post age 30 and dramatically alter an important playoff series. I yeah. give me give me all the DiVincenzo stock. He'll be back. Yeah. As long well, as he's well, not in in Mike Brown purgatory. <laughs> Let's start with Wes. Uh I think he's it looks like he's at least on defense he's be- re-become like that Iron Man yeah. that he was in Portland all those years ago when Portland he was, legend. Yeah, just a really good starting two for the for the Blazers before he tore his Achilles. So another somewhat inspiring Achilles comeback cuz on defense he looks like He's, I mean, he's done an incredible job on Tatum in this series. A feat um, of science. Yeah. So we've got Wes, you said it, Bobby yeah. Portis. Great as a seventh guy. Great. Um, so much heart, you know, got that, got that crucial offensive board on the Giannis missed free throw in game five. Um, can get you a bucket on offense. The defense is suspect, but he cares. Yep. Pat Connaughton, mass hole Pat Connaughton. Pat Connaughton has become so reliable and I think it start. I think like winning the championship for him because all the way going up to the finals last year as someone who was pulling for the Bucks, I would get really nervous when the ball would get swung to him in like totally. a really critical situation now I have total trust in him I think that winning the championship has just totally lifted his confidence level and he does this thing now where he shoots the ball on catch and shoot without bringing it down at all like he'll catch it at his nose yeah. and just fire it the Clay Thompson special the Clay Thompson special, there's absolutely no dip, which, you know, usually you need some sort of dip as a shooter to be able to get the shot off, but he just catches it and fires it sometimes from many feet behind the three point line. Uh, and he's become super reliable at that. He's a solid defender. Um, Underrated rebounder. Yeah. He's, he's just a really solid player. He's Low- just slowly inching toward the guy that he was, that he's, that he was at Notre Dame in college when I was so in love with him, his like his last year, in mm-hmm. the NCAA tournament, he just seemed like a big game shower upper. Yep. Can do a lot of things to help your team win. And yeah, a- another guy who kind of has that championship sheen. And I just love yep. having him in close games now. Uh, Brooke Lopez, awesome a key. interior defender. I know every time the Celtics and Bucks play, you're texting me, why aren't they posting up Brooke when Giannis isn't on the floor? Yep. Um, I don't, Brooks is, Brooke Lopez isn't that old. He's not incredibly far removed from like running a bad Nets offense, but still running it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then Grayson Allen, who has been at times played off the floor in this series, but still, you know, deserves to get minutes in every single playoff game. That's the spot that can be improved, I think. And yeah, if, if DiVincenzo was who he was before his injury, he would be getting those minutes and they wouldn't have traded him probably. Um, 
So, yeah. And then the other one is how did the Nets just give away career 38% three-point shooter Javon Carter, who's also an awesome point guard defender? Like, he seems like he could have been kind of useful for them. Yeah, he seemed, he, he, he screams Grizzlies to me, which makes yeah. sense because I think the Grizzlies drafted him. Um, you know, he's a 10th man, like he's not, or a ninth man, ideally. He's not yeah. going to play when rotations get super tight, but he's useful. I don't think Javon Carter would have bumped Milwaukee above my fourth seed, which is the beloved Golden State Warriors. And I have them at three. Yeah. And this one is tough. <laughs> Because this is about Clay. And Clay, you know, it's it's really Clay, Wiggins, Porter, and Looney we're talking about. And, you know, Gary Payton Jr. is out. So we're really focusing on those four guys. Clay has struggled. Forget forget the shooting. I still expect Clay to shoot efficiently when it matters. I but it's the defense that really worries me. He was once such such an unbelievable stopper. Um, guys are running by him and jaw runs by everyone. It's not jaw. It's guys. It's guys like Bain, even Dylan Brooks, um, Kyle Anderson, slow-mo himself that just seem like they are able to get a step on clay, which is really frustrating to see. I don't, I'm, I'm not here assuming that clay is like, you know, done Achilles or Achilles. We have a lot of positive Achilles outcomes these days, but I still think that clay is going to need um, another few months before he can become an average above average defender again. I have a clay zag. Um, I think. <laughs> Wishful thinking. No, I think he's been better than people give him credit for offensively, at least defensively. I can't really argue with that, but offensively I looked it up his career playoff averages 19 points, four rebounds. This playoffs, he's averaging 19 points and four rebounds. Career but, field goal percentage in the playoffs, 44.2%. He's at 44.4%. The only one that's slightly down is 41% from three versus 38% from three. So I think coming off of a torn ACL and an Achilles, coming back in the middle of a season, having yeah. to kind of get in shape and ramp up as everyone else is in midseason form. A lot to ask. It's a lot to ask, but and he's what, leading them in playoff minutes too. Yeah, it all averages out to about the same as what he's always had. It's just that it comes in either like Niagara Falls waterfall or like little drippy spigot faucet. So there's a lot less consistency where you just see like a a six for eleven, six for thirteen. Yeah, like five for 11 shooting night every night. And now it seems like it's always either seven of 12 or two of 12. There isn't that much in between. Um, you, have an answer, think, you haven't answered the defense though. He was an elite defender and he is- and I have he's no answer been, for the defense. Yeah, the defense is has been a problem. Yeah. Um, the Warriors are bleeding in multiple places. And, you know, forget the conversation of whether they can lose by 50 and still win a title. The number of easy opportunities they're giving up on defense yeah. is not promising when they're when they're about to go against Luca or the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. But yeah, no, I had him high. I had him at three just because I think having Clay in your roll call is I, I still like that offensive explosion is potential is still there. Um, and then also I was also looking forward a little bit where I think their roll call has a lot of potential in the future and is one of the first ones that I'd draft when you think about. Totally. Uh, Kaminga, Gary Payton, Moody. I get Payton's actually a lot older than people think he is. Yeah, no, <laughs> he's like, he's 28 like 29. Old. Yeah. Um, um, 
but Kaminga, Moody, Wiggins, although I think they might trade Wiggins, but um, all-star starter, Andrew Wiggins, he's the only all-star starter in the roll call. I didn't want to, I didn't want to overreact Otto Porter's recent really strong performances, even though I really like him. And like tonight for a playoff game, Otto Porter, I want him in my rotation. I've, I've always been on, uh, on Looney Island to this day. I wish that Sean Marks could have convinced KD to take Brogdon and Kayvon Looney instead of Kyrie in that free agency class it's and and Wiggins is Wiggins who the yeah. hell knows what you're getting on any given night the dude still has so much talent um but yeah okay Golden State at four for me you yeah. had them at three my at three. three was the Memphis Grizzlies the game seven bound Memphis wow. Grizzlies I had them at two you have not said my number five team yet um but we Which can talk is? about Memphis my number five team is Boston okay um that's so that's so fascinating that's our biggest diversion uh we'll get there we'll get there uh memphis i have them at three we're talking dylan brooks brandon clark tyus jones kyle slomo d'anthony melton and we got to throw in zaire he's given them enough good minutes yep and thank you for plugging kuminga because yes jonathan kuminga should be playing every minute that damian lee is played under the reign of mike brown okay back to the back to the grizzlies dylan brooks He's going to shoot shots that will make me rip the hair out of my head that I don't have, but I love his defense. I love his toughness. I, I just want to, he's a foxhole guy. I don't care. Um, my, my anti clay argument was sort of Brooks got so much shit on Twitter for the way he played in his first game back from the suspension. And yet I thought that if anything, he was better than clay because they shot about the same, but Dylan Brooks was playing better defense. Brandon Clark, not much to say there. Beast on the offensive glass, amazing touch around the rim really tries on defense, just a guy who belongs in every playoff series. Tyus Jones, one of the best backup point guards in the league. Kyle Anderson, the Spurs left their mark on that man. I, I saw this great tweet that like every time Kyle Anderson shoots a three, he's, he takes a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, and DeAnthony Melton, best shot blocking small guy in the league. I don't know. Wish he was a blazer. Yep. And uh zaire williams who looks like he has a really long nba career ahead of him i'm not sure what the ceiling is but he gives them important minutes yeah and i had him at two just because and my headline was what the hell do i do with dylan brooks rest of the role guys are great um yep but they just have so many rotation caliber players like even when you get past the starting lineup they've still got melton clark slow-mo Zaire Conchar is like a solid player Tillman can play minutes for most teams I also analytics darling John Conchar yeah Hollinger loves John Conchar give me your best team that I haven't given you a chance to mention yet well we haven't talked about Boston yet you don't have them (laughs) you don't have them at one do you I have them at one oh my god okay well let's talk about my one then all right go your one Phoenix yep have them at two so I, I think they have the best roll call. Um, I think Bridges is the best, fourth best player in the league outside of a hot clay. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, Luca makes every defender look bad. <laughs> but yeah. But Bridges, no, kind of- I, I wanted to put Bridges above Aiton. Like, I think Bridges is the third best player on the Suns. Um, recency bias, you know, I, he, fell, he falls a little bit because it's a tough series for him. There isn't really anyone that the Suns need him to guard that he is well-suited to guard he's a little bit too light for Luca Bronson hasn't been a massive problem for them I texted you yesterday 
I think Jay Crowder has the widest gulf between what I think he shoots from three and what he actually shoots from three, because I swear every time I watch him, he's like five of seven from three. Boss man. Um, and he's also got this form where he draws a lot of fouls on threes, which when you're rooting against him is very frustrating, but he's just one of those guys who you love it when he's on your team. You hate it when you're going against him. Uh, but yeah. he's another guy like Danny Green who just always seems to find himself on winners. Um, Salsa King. Yep. They seem to have solved the backup five issue, which Philly, as I mentioned, has not. Uh, but last year in the finals, when Aiton got in foul trouble, they just had absolutely no answer for Giannis. I think if they play the Bucks again in the finals this year, they still won't have an answer for Giannis, but at least they'll have a better answer. And I think Cam Johnson is one of the most terrifying bench players in the league. Like when yeah. you see him, he's one of those, when you see him open in the corner, you assume it's going in. Um, the only like red mark they have on their resume is the campaign, cam- the campaign at backup point guard. Um, his playoff numbers are rough. Last year, he was 42.5% overall from the field, 36 from three. This year, he is a shade under 30% from the field in the playoffs, 15% from three, averaging a stat line of four points and two assists compared to nine points and three assists last year, which is like half the production. And he's just been a disaster. He's not even in the rotation anymore over the last couple of games. Yeah. That's really the only flaw I have with their with their roll call. Aside from that, I think it's top notch. The playoffs are unkind to campaign. He's a guy that I love watching on League Pass. And I'm like, oh, like what a blessing to have a backup point guard who comes in with that moxie. He was the guy in that finals last year who where you're like, oh, wow, the Suns are a little less deep than I thought. My number one, your number five. Yep. The Boston Celtics. And I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that you have him at five. I'm all ears for why one is too high, but I think that your anti-Boston bias is really re- uh, reducing your level of integrity as an analyst here. I also don't want to overreact to Al Horford's last few days, but um, he's been massively valuable against the Bucks. I don't expect him to drop 30 ever. Grant Williams, he's been a really good Giannis defender. Derek White, who had a really rough few weeks on Twitter, but is an an incredibly high IQ, strong defender. The shot isn't always falling, but like Connaughton can do a lot of things to make your team go on both ends. Time Lord. I mean, Time Lord is one of the best players in this pool of role guys. And he's certainly not one of their best three players. I want Tatum, Brown, Marcus Smart. So we've got Horford, Grant Williams, Derek White, Rob Williams, Tice, and a sprinkling of Pritchard. I just feel like that's a really deep list of guys who can help me in different ways depending on the night. Yeah, I think part of our divergence might have been that I was sort of, I wasn't weighting the top of the roll call more, like significantly more heavily than the bottom. So I kind of ding them for the fact that once you get past seven, they don't really, I don't think have much. They do have an elite defensive four to seven when you're talking about Horford, Williams, Williams, and White. That's like about as good as you can get defensively for fourth through seventh options on a team. But I'm really not that impressed once you get past seven. You start talking about Tice, Pritchard, uh, Neesmith, uh, Stauskas is on their team. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think if, if they had better options at eight and nine, I probably would have had him higher. And yes, I will acknowledge it's impossible for me to be 
rational and subject and objective about Boston right now. Um, I was rooting for them against the Nets, but as soon as they came up against the Bucks, I've just my uh, sports hatred has been rekindled. I'm mad at you for turning me into a Boston fan here, but yeah, I think I valued defense above all other skills here um, because these aren't guys who are going to be running their offenses. And often it's about how they stack up on the other end. Can they stay on the floor and make threes for their superstar? And with Horford, Grant Williams, Derek White, and Time Lord, like all four of those guys are above average defenders. You know, yeah. it's, it, they, they are four reasons why Marcus Smart took home the Defensive Player of the Year award. And I just think when you have four strong defensive role players, it makes such a massive difference. And it's the reason the Celtics have been able to hang in this series against what I think is the best remaining team in the playoffs in the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. And I mean, if I was like to break this down into tiers, I think I would have three, four, and five all in one tier of Golden yeah. State, Miami, and, and Boston. So I think Boston's closer to three for me than they are to six, but I just like Phoenix and Memphis more. And what Memphis has been able to do without jaw all season long and against the Warriors the other night has yeah. just been super impressive. And Phoenix, I just, you know, they their system just runs so well. It's, it's a little hard to tell whether it's the players or just the system running really well and always kind of having Booker or Paul running the show. That was Roll Call. That was also episode three of the Pod Sham Pod. Boxing 7.